so what we're going to look at this morning is Jehovah Nisi. Everybody say Jehovah Nisi. And Jehovah Nisi means the Lord is my banner. And it comes from this really interesting story. We're going to be back in Exodus. We were in Exodus 15 last week. And this week we're going to be two chapters forward in Exodus 17. And while we're looking at this story and we're engaging uh, the content as well as uh, some verses from the New Testament, I want you to reflect on these things. I want you to reflect on the power of God's name. I want you to position your heart in such a way, posture your heart in such a way that you can receive his name. Right? Our, our hearts have postures. We can be closed off towards one another. We can be open towards one another. We can be receptive. We can be hard-hearted. We can be steadfast in heart. So this morning, what I'd like you to purposefully do, listen, no one has dominion over your heart except for you. So it's your choice. It's your choice to posture your heart in such a way that you receive from the Lord. So I would invite you to posture your heart in such a way that you receive his name, that you would trust what he has said about his name, and based on the power of God's name, receive the name God has given you. And that's the whole theme of this sermon series through the end of the year here is God has revealed his name and he's given us a name, but we can't live out our name until we first received his name. It always works that way. So look at, um, receive the name Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner this morning, and let God name himself in your life and let God name you based on his name. So in Exodus 17, the first part of the chapter is the story where the people are in the wilderness and they don't have any water to drink and they're super thirsty and so they start whining and complaining and wishing they were back slaves again in in Egypt and Moses cries out to the Lord and the Lord says, take your staff and tap the rock and he does it and then the water bursts forth. And then we have this story. Then Amalek came, that's the Amalekites, it's not just one person, it's talking about the nation. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill, whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, and whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. Matt, you still going back there? (laughs) So this is a picture of Moses up on the mountain with Aaron and Hur, and we don't know much about this guy named Hur. He shows up one other time. Traditionally, in church history, um, he's thought to be the husband of Miriam, the, the sister of Moses, but there's nothing in Scripture that, that directly says that. That's just um, church tradition. But he shows up here, and so Moses and Aaron and her are up on top of the mountain while Joshua, and this is the first time that Joshua's name appears in Exodus. Joshua is down fighting 
um, with the people of Israel, the Amalekites. And the Amalekites just keep showing up in the story of the Old Testament um, again and again. And it becomes, uh, that becomes the downfall of King Saul later when he doesn't wipe out the Amalekites. So it's this ongoing issue with the Amalekites. <coughs> Moses is up there. He's got his hands raised high above his head. But um, that's exhausting, especially if you're holding something. So I remember trying to hang. Um, we had some sermon art at a church uh, I served at previously, and it was like 150 pounds, and we were hanging it into studs up on the stage. This was at Cornerstone. And so I got the short straw, and so I'm standing underneath it, like, like holding it like this as hard as I can while the, with like one other person while the, they're hanging it there. And that, that might have been like five minutes, and I, like my arms were just like killing me because like when you're, when you're holding the heavy weight over your head, it's, it's really, really difficult. And so Moses is up there, and he's got this great idea. He says, I'm going to take the staff, the powerful staff of God, and I'm going to hold it over my head. And, and as long as I hold this, this staff, the same staff that split the, the Red Sea, the, the same staff that performed the miracles in front of Pharaoh, as long as I hold this over my head, we're good. We're going to have victory. But his arms grew tired. But Moses' hands grew weary. So they took a stone. We got our Ebenezer up here, which my son could, couldn't lift. It's a heavy one. And they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, the Lord is my banner, saying, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. As I was thinking about the story this week, um, just a, a quick personal update. This is exciting. My, my family and I settled on a home in East Coventry on Monday. And so I, I, we were working on it all week with uh, some of you helped out, which was awesome. And so I, I spent a ton of time painting this week. And um, so as I was painting, I was trying to think through, you know, what I'd be talking about this week and just let the Lord speak. And I was thinking about how you had Moses, who's the prophet. Of Israel. He's, he's the great prophet of Israel. And at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, it says that there would be another prophet that would rise up like Moses. But that prophet never came. And generation after generation looked for the prophet that would rise up like Moses. And in Jesus' day, the people were still looking for the prophet like Moses. So when Jesus said to his disciples, who do the people say that I am? They said, well, some say you're the Prophet. Some say you're the prophet, the people. Yeah, and you're right, Patty. But, and then he says, well, who do you say I am? Some of the living God. Then he goes up on the mountain, and who shows up on the mountain? Mount of Transfiguration. Immediately after that, Moses shows up. Pretty cool. He is the prophet like Moses. Jesus, Jesus is the prophet like Moses. But Moses was a sinful guy 
just like you or I, he had, he had a fallen nature, and we know that he murdered a man, and we know that he acted out in anger. The second time that he, he was called to tap the rock, he didn't tap it. He struck it in anger and frustration. And, um, but Jesus is the prophet like Moses. Now, in this picture, you've got Moses, the prophet, and he's trying to do his prophetic thing. He's trying to hold up this banner, this staff, this sign over the people of Israel so they can have victory. But he can't bear that weight on his own. It's too much. The, the weight of that is too much. And so he grows, he grows weary in his prophetic ministry and prayer. And so the priest, the high priest comes along and lifts up his hands, Aaron, the high priest. Now, who's, who's our high priest? Jesus. Now, he's not in the line of Aaron. Jesus is the high priest in the line of Melchizedek, as it says in Hebrews. But he's the great high priest for all time, not, not just like Aaron who died. Jesus is the great high priest for all time who offered a sacrifice once and for all. So you have the, the high priest, you have the prophet, you have the priest, um, and then who, the, the other big ministry that Jesus fulfills. There's three of them from the Old Testament, prophet, priest, and do you remember the third one? King. So Joshua is the first governmental leader of the covenant people of Israel in their land, right? So Joshua takes the people into the promised land. And actually, I'll, I'll show you a slide later, but Jesus' name is actual, actually Joshua. Joshua and Jesus are the same name, uh, Yeshua. And, and it means God is my salvation. Yahweh is my salvation. So Jesus literally has Joshua's name. Joshua is down governmentally leading the people. So you have, you have the picture of prophet up there, but the ministry is too great for him. And so the, the priestly ministry is aiding the prophetic ministry while you have the governmental um, leader down doing battle. And a, a lot of scholars think that Moses would have held, held the staff like, like over his head like this, making the shape of the cross. And so he would have been silhouetted up on a hill while the people are fighting down in the valley. And every time they looked out up, they would have seen the, the sign of the cross, which is pretty cool. So the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner. The Lord is your banner. Receive that. The Lord is your banner. In Song of Solomon, it says, His banner over me is love. The Lord is your banner. He waves himself over you as a sign for all to see. And then this line in verse 16 is just so cool. It's just this like epic, mighty line of praise. A hand upon the throne of the Lord. A hand upon the throne of the Lord. And it's sort of like Moses is saying, we are holding up the throne of God. Everybody put your hand under it and lift him up. Let's say that together. Go ahead and raise one hand. Go ahead and raise one hand and say, say it with me. A hand upon the throne of the Lord. A hand upon the throne of 
Man, that is so cool that God calls you and I into a ministry and a relationship with him that he invites us to, to lift him. Can you lift up God? No, of course not. That's ridiculous. And yet God invites us into a relationship where he allows us to glorify him and praise him in such a way that is actually meaningful to his heart and meaningful to his spirit. And so when Moses says, I hang upon the throne of the Lord, it's not an empty thing. He means it. He means it. He's saying, people of God, he's your banner. He's a sign over you. You put your hand up and you lift him up together. Hand upon the throne of our Lord. I love that. We should write a song about that. Yahweh Nisi, the Lord is my banner. The better translation is actually, the Lord is my sign. He's my sign. That is my signpost. And it means Yahweh is the one who does things for me. So the people of Israel, it's kind of this strange connection in this battle because Joshua is doing his thing down there fighting the battle with the people. And Moses is up on the mountain and he's, he's holding this, this staff over his head. He's like a sign over them. And, and he's holding it up. And as long as it's held up, as long as, as long as the sign is up, the banner is up, the people have victory. But when he can't bear it anymore, they start, they start to lose. And so there's this weird, like, spiritual connection that's happening. And what Moses is saying is, you know, I, I didn't really win that battle. Like, Moses didn't win the battle by holding it up. And, and Joshua clearly didn't win the battle because when I put it down, he could, the people weren't winning. It's God who won the battle. Yahweh's the one who does things for me. That's what Jehovah Nisi means. God's the one who does it. You're not the one who did it. He's the one who did it. Anything of worth, anything of value, any victory that we have in the kingdom of God, any conquering, any victorious life, he's the one who did it. He's the one. He's Jehovah Nisi. He's a sign over us. And so if you've struggled with some sort of sin that's haunted you and you had victory in it or you didn't know the Lord and you were running from him and he saved you and you had victory in Christ, he was the one who did it. He's your sign. He's your banner. He's waving his love over you. Now, we have a high priest, and we have a prophet, and we have a king. And our king and our prophet and our high priest stood up on that hill on the day of battle with the spiritual forces, and he stretched out his arms, and he gave himself up completely, and then he also sat down. But he didn't sit down because he was tired. He sat down because he was victorious. That's a different kind of sitting. There's the, I've been running and I can't take another step. I'm going to fall down kind of sitting, like Moses. And then there's Jesus saying, it's finished. It's done. And so he sits himself down on the throne. Isn't that awesome? That is so cool. And this is the slide. Joshua and Jesus, they both mean the same thing. (laughs) Yahweh is salvation. Yahweh is salvation. This is a psalm I started our service with this morning. David writes this psalm. He says, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. 
May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. May he grant your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. There's a couple places where David connects joy and salvation. The other, the other more well-known one is in Psalm 51 when he's confessing his sins with uh, Bathsheba and that whole mess. And he says, restore to me. I've lost it. I, I lost. I lost it. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. There should be something that tingles within us and our hearts at the name of Jesus. And if you no longer feel that, if you no longer feel that excitement at his name, then friend, let me invite you to pray with David, restore joy in my life. Because I want to be the type of person, I want to be the type of, I want us to be the type of family that walks with God in such a way that we hear the name Jesus and we're just like, May we shout for joy over your salvation. Nehemiah then says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So if you lose the joy in your salvation, you lose the joy in the name of Jesus, then you've also lost your strength. And how are you going to do spiritual warfare? And how are you going to walk through this life, this painful, difficult life, if you don't have any strength? You're not. So if you want to be strong, and you want to be able to face today, in the name of Jesus, then allow him to restore the joy of the relationship because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Rejoice in the name of Jesus. And in the name of our God, set up banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Amen. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O oh Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. I'm going to jump to the New Testament here. We're going to talk about his name from a few scriptures there. Philippians 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit... Any affection and sympathy, here's joy again, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of, us, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. This is your mindset in Christ Jesus. When he bought you for a price, this is the mindset he gave you. Now, you may not feel this mindset, which is where Paul would say, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if this is not your mindset, but you are in Christ, I would invite you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is why I prayed earlier that that's what the gospel is. Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what the gospel is. That's what, our, what the good news of our faith is. Jesus Christ is Lord. If he's Christ, then he's anointed. If he's Lord, then he's resurrected. Jesus Christ is Lord. And every tongue will confess this. And every knee will bow. Now, we have the chance to do that today. A hand upon the throne of the Lord. Today, we get to make that choice. Because of the sacrifice of Christ... He has allowed us to enter into relationship with God in such a way that we don't have to wait for the judgment seat of God to confess that he is Lord, right? We do so today. Now, there are those who will not make that choice. There are those who, um, whether through outright rebellion or, or whatever, will choose not to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. They will still make that declaration on that day. Hitler will be there, Mother Teresa will be there, and everyone in between. And we will be declaring together that Jesus Christ is Lord, but you and I don't have to wait for that day. We do that today. We do that right now. This is why we were born. This is why God created you. He didn't create you to make a buck or have a family, although those things are wonderful and they're right place. He created you to put your hand upon his throne. That's why he made you. Put your hand upon his throne. Lift him up. Hold on to the banner. Confess his name. This is back to the sitting in victory picture. In Revelation 3, Jesus to the church of Laodicea writes this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him. And he with me, the one who conquers... I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Hear what the Spirit of God is saying to you, church. Because of the victory of Jesus Christ, because he is your banner, Yahweh is your salvation. Yahweh is the one who does things for you. Yahweh is the one who names you and calls you because of that. You have conquered. You are an overcomer because of what he has done. So you can stand confidently and say, I, can, I both, in some ways, don't feel like a conqueror because I know the stuff I still struggle with, and yet I can confidently with all my heart say this, I'm victorious because he's victorious. I'm a conqueror because he conquered. Yahweh is the one who does the things for me. Now, in all these things, Paul says in Romans 8, we are more than conquerors 
through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Jesus you are a conqueror. Because of Jesus you are more than a conqueror. And then he says, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, because you are a conqueror, because you are victorious, because Yahweh is victorious and he's named you in his name, therefore, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. <laughs> Before I say my next thing, I want to be careful. Um, I want to delineate. Spiritually speaking... In Christ, you are not a victim. Many of us choose to live as victims. This happened to me, like, sort of the, like, everything's out of control, and I don't have dominion over it, and everything is just out of grasp. Any victory is just out of grasp. Now, there are those who um, live in this world and in the flesh they are victimized in terrible ways. We've all seen that, we've heard the stories, and we know about it. Spiritually speaking, in Christ, you are not a victim. You are victorious. You can still choose to live like a victim and have a mindset that is a victim mindset. That is not the mindset of Christ. That is not the mindset that Christ has given you. The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives you the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You're not a victim. You're victorious. You're victorious in Christ. You're not a victim to the sin that you struggle with. You're not a victim to your flesh nature. You're not a victim to the people around you and how they act. You are victorious in Jesus Christ. You receive that today. Your salvation, your relationship with the Lord is not dependent upon how you're fed. It's not dependent upon how you're treated. Your relationship with the Lord is dependent upon your heart saying, yes, I receive this. That Yahweh is the one who does things for me. And so no matter what my circumstances look like, God, I am victorious because I stand in you. Paul in prison, he's not a victim. Even though he's literally imprisoned and in chains, he's free, as free as a bird, because he's victorious in Christ. Now, I do, I, I do want to be careful in talking about that because I'm not, I'm not saying that those who have been truly physically abused, emotionally abused, that they don't aren't victimized. They are. They are. What I am saying is in Christ. In Christ. You are healed. You are set free. And you are victorious. And there is no one that can take that from you. Not angels, not demons, no height, no depth. Nothing can separate from the love of God. And there is nothing that exemplifies victory better than this. God loves you. 
That is the victory. That's the victory. That's why his banner over you is love. This is what exemplifies our victory in Christ. God loves you. And he not only just loves you, he actually likes you too. And that's harder to receive sometimes, isn't it? That's why it says in John 1, in him we have this grace upon grace. What does that mean? What does grace upon grace mean? Well, if I would translate it in DJ's words, it means this. God not only loves you, he likes you. Because grace is about favor. You know, like the, the classic example is when you see a baby and you've never seen the baby before and the baby has no value whatsoever as far as adding anything to this world other than crying and, you know, dirty diapers. That's what the baby's good for. And yet, no one in their right mind or spirit looks at that baby and says, oh, you're, you're worthless until you can do something. What do you do when you see a baby? It's so cute. Right? Can I hold him? Betty was talking about baby toes this morning. She's got to have baby toes. She loves baby toes. Right? What, what value is there in baby toes? They're just beautiful. They're just beautiful. That's what grace is. That's what grace means. And that's why victory in Jesus is this. God not only loves you, he really likes you. He really, really likes you. Now, you might not like yourself. And this is where that victim thing comes in. You might not like yourself. Friend, you need a new definition. You need to see yourself in a new way. Because what matters more, how you see you or how God sees you? It matters much more how God sees you. And if God sees you and says, I not only love you, but I like you because I bought you for a price, then who are you to say, but I don't like me, and so that's how I'm going to live? You are placing yourself over God and saying, my word trumps yours. My word has more authority in my, my life than your word has authority in my life. So receive this this morning. God not only loves you, he likes you. He enjoys you. His banner over you is love. You are victorious in him. Your spirit is free in him. He knows everything about you better than you know about yourself. And he still says, because of my son in you, because of my son, because I'm the one who does things for you, I am Yahweh. Because he's the one who does it for you. I like you. I love you. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Man, it's amazing. Yahweh Nisi, he fights for you. He saves you. He intercedes for you. He covers you. He leads you. He rescues you. He loves you. I should have put this up there. He likes you. Doesn't mean that he's done refining you. Right? You can, God can like you and still discipline. In fact, those things are connected in his word. I discipline the one that I love. So I'm, don't take this as some, you know, softened down, watered down gospel. It's not. 
this is, this is the good news. God loves you, and he disciplines the one he loves. He keeps walking with him. He is your shepherd, and you are his flock and his sheep. He is your healer. And because he's healed you, he's made you clean, if you remember last week's teaching. Because he's healed you, he's made you clean, and because you're clean, you house his presence. You're his temple. He is your banner. And you are victorious. You take a moment and just posture your hearts in such a way that you can receive that. So whether you, in symbolism, you put your hands forward in a receptive nature, whatever it is, just close your eyes and let the Spirit of God say, I'm your banner and you are victorious. morning, I'm sure you've seen the hands, the outstretched hands on either side of the sanctuary. Uh, Josh Kumpf put that together for us. And on one is written thanks, and on one is written petition. At the end of our service now, we're going to sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And we're going to remember the faithfulness of God in our lives. And what we'd like to invite you to do during, um, whether it's during the song or even after the service, um, while, while we're still fellowshipping with one another, is just to go up. There's markers on the music stands next to those. And just if the Spirit of God would lead you, if you have something that you desire to write, just pic pictorially on, you know, a, a picture of, of the outstretched hands in prayer, God's hands, he speaks often of his hands, and Psalm 20 says his right hand. Just take one of the marker and write something in praise and thanksgiving that you're thankful for. And um, just a word, just a word. And on, on this one, we would invite you to write something that you're requesting, um, petitioning God. And in Psalm 20, it also talks about may he grant your petitions. And so those requests, Bring it before God in, in a prophetic and, and uh, a pictorial, artistic way. And just give, give those to God. Release those to him. So over here, thanks. And over here, petition. You can do, do that during the closing song. Or you can do that after the service. Or maybe you can come in later and, and do it if, if something is on your heart. So worship team, would you come back up? I'm going to pray and just ask God to seal his name over us this morning. Father, we thank you for this story and we thank you for this word. I didn't even get to this this morning. There's so much there, but I was also thinking this week about in John 3 when Nicodemus comes to Jesus. And Jesus says, just like Moses raised up the serpent in the wilderness, when, when in, this is later in Exodus, when the, the, the venomous 
serpents were biting the people of Israel and they were dying. And so Moses built that bronze serpent and he put it on a pole. And whenever anyone was bit, they could look up at that and they would receive salvation by looking up at that sign. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, in the same way that Moses raised up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Our, our banner, God, is your name. That's the signpost. The eternal signpost is the, is the name of God. But we also have the picture of the cross. And in some traditions of our faith, um, artists render Jesus still on the cross because, it, it, because of the perpetual nature of the sacrifice of God that it's never ending. Um, and in our, in our particular stream of the faith, we, we would picture the cross as empty because we know that Jesus got down off that cross and he rose from the dead. And what's more than that, he sat down at, at the right hand of the Father. But that picture of the cross on the mountain of God over the priests and over the kings and over the soldiers and over the people just waving and all who look upon that receive the life all who look upon that and say that's my Lord Jesus Christ is Lord all who declare that who put their hand upon your throne or your altar is another way of translating that a hand upon the altar of God who put that, our hands upon that altar, we receive salvation because Jesus means Yahweh is salvation. He's the one who does things for you. And so God, we together as your family and your people, your body here at Parker Ford in this local setting and every visitor that's with us this morning, whatever, we receive this from you that your banner over us is love and your banner is your son. Stretched out in prophetic, high priestly and kingly ministry for all time. We are victorious because you were first victorious. We are conquerors because you conquer. We are loved because you first loved us. There's grace upon grace in our lives because Jesus is the cup that overflows. We receive this from